0: How's it going, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome into another episode of Suncast covering the Sun Conference. I'm your host, Reagan Harrell. Woof, we had us a weekend, didn't we, folks? It truly was a super Sun Conference Saturday. We're gonna get into everything this past weekend, including we had some champions crowned in men's and women's track earlier in the week last week, and we have a regular season champion and down in Miami Gardens, Florida Memorial Lions. To have taken home the women's regular season basketball championship, men's is going to come down to the last day. Softball is underway in the Sun Conference as well, and baseball is absolutely dominant in a whole lot of non-conference games. Once again, this weekend, baseball proved we are the best baseball conference in the NAI, and it's well, folks, it' not sure how close it is, but we are going to get. All of that in as well as an interview with St. Thomas second baseman Chris Scholler and Mr. Scholler own great interview. Uh, My my audio is not the best hand up in the interview. My audio is not the best. Uh, Chris is wonderful though and of course that's uh, who y'all want to hear from y'all get enough of this voice. Uh, I believe. I mean, if y'all want more episodes, I'm, I think I can work something out. But I'm pretty sure y'all got, y'all get enough of my voice. You can still hear me fine. But Mr. Chris Scholler, great interview. Really enjoyed having him on. We're gonna put that one in that interview kind of in the middle of this episode. Kind of gonna split this episode up in half. I want to talk about the Champions Crown and what they have done this season on this past week and then we'll get into a weekend recap with everything in women's basketball, men's basketball, as I said, baseball and softball. So, let's get into it. We got to start in Lakeland, Florida where the Southeastern men's and women's track team dominate the indoor championships for the Sun Conference. One of the most dominant athletes in the sun conference joseph taylor was the most valuable performer he scored 27 and a half points he got the win of 200 meter and the 400 meter for times of 21.43 and 48.01 we had on isaac joseph from saint thomas earlier the year and he said mr taylor at in lakeland florida is one of the best track athletes not only in the sun conference but in the entire country I got a feeling we, we might be hearing something from Mr. Taylor. We don't want to spoil anything or don't want to have any, say we're going to have any interviews until they're already recorded, but I got a feeling uh, Mr. Taylor and Suncast have somewhat of a future together. Also, uh, on the men's side, he wasn't the only one that had great showings. How about in the long distance, John Perez Dunn was the winner of the 3,000 meter and the 5,000 meter times of 9.07 and 15.40. Those are both record times for the meet. How about that? Mr. Perez Dung certainly burning up the track for the fire. Southeastern also grabbed the top two spots in the 60 hurdles. Glenn Rogers broke his own meet record with a time of 7.83, followed by Darian Carter with 8.01. So overall great performance from the Southeastern men's time, men's team. But Southeastern fire track and field was not done yet with the women's side getting their third straight Sun Conference Championship, this one in dominant fashion, scoring 266 points. Florida Memorial was the runner-up with 97. Let's talk about these fire. Uh, Tina Grisby took home the gold in the 60-meter hurdle. Listen to this. Amiris Mendez, she got second with a 9.07, so less than a tenth of a second away from her teammate. But right after that, Mendes, and I'm talking I'm talking right after, I mean 10 minutes after getting Silver in the 60-meter hurdle, she goes and runs the 60-meter sprint. I don't know about y'all, but if I would have ran 60 meters in any types of way, much less trying to have to go and jump over hurdles, I'm probably going, going to need more than 10 minutes. I'm going to need to catch my breath for a championship uh, match. But However, Mendes, she did not, as I said, only 10 minutes after taking third in the hurdles. She ran the 60-meter sprint and took on the silver. Julia Romm got in on the action as well. She ran the 3,000-meter and had a meet record of 10 minutes, 19 seconds, and 0.85 um, hundredths of a second. So, not a bad performance for Miss Rom as well. So, great job to all the track athletes up in Lakeland, Florida. Sure, once we get sun com- or towards the end of the season in the NAIA. Championships, believe in late May. I'm sure the Fire and many other people in the Sun Conference will represent us well. This past week, the Fire were not the only team to bring some Sun Conference hardware back home. Congratulations, Coach Stanback had him on earlier this season and the entire Florida Memorial Women's Basketball team. They took down Southeastern by about 30 points, largely in part to my pick and who I think will be the Sun Conference Player of the Year, Tiana Ayulo. She had 18 points and 13 rebounds. We'll get more into women's basketball and uh, what what happened this weekend. The stage is pretty much set. looks like it's going to be Florida Memorial St. Thomas 1-2. But speaking of St. Thomas, we'll go ahead and cut this one, cut cut this little intro short. We're going to get you to Chris Scholler. When you come, when y'all come back from that interview, we're going to give the full recap of the weekend. So without further ado, here is St. Thomas second baseman, Chris Scholler. And here we go. All right. We welcome on a very special guest, Chris Scholler, second baseman for St. Thomas University. Chris, is uh, he's low-key the producer of this episode, folks. We had uh, more difficulty getting this Zoom going than I've had with about anybody. Just who knows? Everybody loves Zoom, right? (laughs) One one of those things. But Chris, really appreciate you recording it on your laptop. And also, thank you for taking some time out of your very busy day coming on Suncast, man.
1: Really appreciate it, man. Thank you for having
0: me. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, first off, congrats on a great showing in Lakeland. Uh, the first game against Vanguard didn't go y'all's way, got roughed up a little bit. Uh, I was a little worried about about y'all. I'm sure Coach Perez had some words of encouragement after the game. And it certainly paid off for y'all. After y'all went on in the East West Challenge, put up a great showing for the East and the Sun Conference, taking down the defending runner up powerhouse lc 11-2 to had to walk off against venue mesa what was it like seeing some of that top competition in the nai so early in the season
1: well i think it was good for us i think it was uh good seeing uh teams from across the country uh were able to see uh different play styles early on and uh that whole east west challenge is really cool because it's all just top teams uh, in the country so it's great to see that talent early on and uh it was good to uh it's a good uh you know, baseline to see where we're at um, shows us what we need to work on and uh, what we need to uh, look forward to come playoff time. So I think it was great for us to uh, see that early and, uh, you know, looking forward to that uh, later on in the year.
0: Absolutely. You said it was good to see different styles of baseball. Obviously in the Sun Conference it's known for big bats, a lot of power, a lot of excellence. I mean, you look at the Sun Conference, I think you could make an argument for but there are definitely three teams in the top 10, but I think you could say we have three or four of the best lineups in the country. Uh, Starting off with y'all, we're obviously going to talk a lot more about that. The boys in the BAB, Lakeland, there's some really, really good lineups, but I want to touch on a little bit of something you just said. You got to see different styles of baseball in Lakeland this weekend. What were, what do you mean by that? What were some of the kind of styles you got to see?
1: Well, you got, you got the teams that are, uh, that are uh, you know, just grinders out there, a bunch of guys that aren't gonna hit the ball a mile, but they'll they'll beat you with the small ball, they'll beat you with uh great defense and, and good pitching. And then you'll see the teams like you know, the Southeasterns, the sluggers that'll that'll you know put the ball out of the yard if you make a mistake on the mound. So it's kind of stuff like that you got to adjust to. Um there's everyone's gonna be high energy, so you always got to adjust to that. Um, and it's just all about you know, knowing your opponent you know knowing what they bring to the table you got to look through their lineup see what kind of styles of play they are um if they got you know fast runners we got to know that on defense we got to be yep. quick be accurate with our throws and um and the big the guys with the big bats we got to know how to pitch to them so that's what that's the kind of thing we're going to have to look forward to uh, throughout the year and uh, also coming into the playoffs
0: yeah definitely some big bats in the east west challenge when i was over there, I think it was the second day y'all took on Vanguard. Kaiser was playing Arizona Christian, and while that was going on, I was going back and forth take, taking videos. It was just like home run on one field, a home run, it's like a home run derby out there. Uh, oh, let's talk yeah. a little bit, let's talk a little bit though about last season. Uh, you know, last year y'all came up just short, uh, y- y'all were. Re- Regional hosts uh, came up just short. These guys, these guys, no hard, fe- no hard feelings, of course. But you know, how did y'all use that uh, disappointing end to motivate y'all this off season and coming into this season?
1: Well, we use it as a lot of motivation for us. Um, you know, the past two years, we've been, we've come up just short of making it to Lewiston, so a lot of mo- motivation for us coming into this year. Um, I told the guys before this season started that uh, the only way we get back there is if everyone buys in you know everyone has to buy into the program everyone has to be concerned about winning can't be no uh selfishness and that goes for any team in any sport everyone has to buy into to one common goal and uh that's how we're going to get there because we got we got too much talent to not be there so i yeah. think if everyone just you know uh comes together for uh one common goal then i think we're just going to be we're going to be just fine to get there
0: yeah i mean you spoke you hit the nail on the head speaking on the leadership part of it it's so big across sports uh i'm a, a leader on the football team captain and you you gotta be able to have that leadership and move your guys in the right direction because a coach can only do so much and talent will only take you so far but if you have that player-led group that's the difference between i mean an opening round team and a championship team that's ex- that's exactly what's needed and it seems like you have taken that role of being a leader of the st thomas bobcats you really did t- turn a corner, though. You look back, uh, you transferred in from Embry-Riddle in 2021. Wasn't your best year. You only appeared in 21 games, batted 216. But last season, you really turned a corner. You batted 338, 11 home runs, 54 RBIs. Was there like a specific moment thing started to click for you? Or certain adjust- or just talk about what adjustments you made going into last season. And obviously, you're off to a great start in this year
1: yeah I think uh, that moment was uh, two years ago uh, when I first transferred in um, when I didn't uh, get much playing time then. Um, you know it was hard to develop a rhythm coming off the bench um, so that was tough there but that end of that year, uh, I got the call to get the start in the regional tournament because some guys couldn't uh, travel and make it for some for some issues so I got the nod to to start then and I did really well in that regional tournament. Um I think I had three sixty with a, a three run home run and I think that showed that I could play this game at a high level um show put a lot of confidence in me, a lot of confidence in in the team. and uh, I think that was the moment that where it really clicked like hey i i can I can do something here and uh just from then on that that uh, upcoming fall, uh coach Brez, uh gave me the starting job and it was just. Uh, The year happened from then on so I think it was just I think that moment there in that regional tournament when I first transferred in was the big moment that that clicked for for everything
0: that's the funny thing about uh, we could say sports in general but more specifically with baseball it seems like if you can just get one good like like an opening round like a regional tournament or a conference tournament and you get things clicking then it makes you and like once you see you can do it at an elite level and have success. It gives you that confidence. I mean, a guy I just had had on uh, last night, actually, he was on the episode before this one, Dawson Young. It, he was a good pitcher for us. He was a solid closer for us, but it was in postseason play where things really started to click for him, and he's turned into one of the best closers in the NAI, and you've turned into one of the best second basemen in the NAI. Now, as we uh, talked about earlier, you did transfer Transfer in, you played at one of the best Division II conferences with Embry Riddle in the Sunshine State Conference. I got, I got, got I have to ask this question to any Sun Conference baseball coach or player: What's the difference and what's the, the the comparison between the Sun Conference and an elite conference in the Division II like the Sunshine?
1: Uh, Honestly, I think the talent, talent wise, I think it's relatively the same, Um, you know, not too much, you know, position players wise, hitters wise. I think it's all, all uh, the same, the talent in, you know, South Florida, Georgia, those types of States are just incredible. So you're going to see great competition in any, any division you're in any conference. Um, I think the one difference though, from D2 and NAIA is the variety of pitching. You know, in D two, you're gonna get uh, a lot more uh, consistent hard throwers uh, throughout a weekend series. Um, but in NAI, you can come out on a Friday night get a guy that's running up high velo in the upper eights, low nineties, and then the second game on a Saturday, you can get a guy that pitches you backwards and throws a lot of a lot of breaking balls, a lot of change ups, and uh, you know throws with a uh, less velo. So it's good you gotta adjust, I think, a lot more in the NAI because you're gonna see a lot more. A variety of pitching, and I and I that's what I like. I think you're going to see a lot of complete hitters in NAI because they have to adjust so much in between weeks.
0: That's great. Uh, that's an answer I, not even close to what I've heard, and something diff, different. I love it. It makes you a better hitter because the pitchers are so different. I mean, look look at y'all staff. Southeastern, Kaiser, Weber. I mean, now that I really think about specifically the 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 Weber guys, yeah, they are very much different. I mean, Dylan Martin is a completely different pitcher than Xavier Rodriguez. He's completely different from Mark Link, and we can go on and on up and down each of the elite teams in this conference, and it's that way. But speaking of eliteness, this Bobcat infield is one of the best in the country, headlined by yourself and Robin Fernandez. You speak on a little bit about the chemistry have in
1: the infield. Yeah, a lot of chemistry with my guys in the infield. Um and it's not just the infield, it's the whole team, man. You know, a lot right. of chemistry with all of us. Um we just care about each other on and off the field, care about each other's well-being, and I think that really reflects on our uh, on-field play. Um I think the big thing is we really want to see each other succeed, and I think that goes for a lot of teams out there. You want to see your boys succeed and that that uh, attributes to, you know, playing for each other and not just yourself. So that that's the big thing with us. We want to see each other succeed, want to see each other uh, do well, just in life in general. And I think that's really going to help us uh, throughout the year through the highs and lows and and continue to support each other.
0: That's awesome. And I, I agree with you. You kind of led me into my next question. It is the whole team with y'all. Y'all have one of the most complete lineups in the NAI, one of the most or, excuse me, one of my favorite lineups, just looking at it, you are just so complete. You have great contact and speed at the top with, with guys like Joey Thompson and Noriega, Noriega. Is that right? Noriega, yes. Noriega, Noriega. You Noriega. told me yesterday and I already forgot about it. But anyways, th- those two guys are at the top of the lineup and plenty of power in Miami Gardens you Brian Garcia Moreno uh, Robin can, can you tell us a little bit about what makes this lineup so dangerous Let's talk about the day to day with those guys
1: i think yeah the the lineup this year is very talented for us uh, i like it a lot i think um the big thing that makes us uh kind of a hard lineup to navigate is i think there's a lot of complete hitters in our lineup you know you're not just going to get the guys that you're always going to get the guys that that are just power guys or just contact guys but i think a lot of uh our lineup up and down one through nine is a lot of complete hitters guys that can kind of do it all that'll hit for high average that'll um that'll hit for power when they need to and uh just do whatever they need to with the bat when the game calls for it you know if a guy's on on second base we need to move them over to third we got guys up and down the lineup they can do that. Or if we need to drive in a run, guys can do that. So I think uh, just a lot of complete hitters in the lineup, and I think that's what's going to make it dangerous.
0: Absolutely. And, I mean, you, you said it. I mean, you have guys that have contact and power up and down the lineup. Yes, you, you have you, – you, there are times you need a big home run, and y'all can obviously do that, but y'all play small ball ju- just as well as y'all are able to hit them 450 foot the way Brian Garcia did – off of Vanguard. Um, the way, was, that was a shot. That was the biggest home run I saw of the week in the East West Channels There may have been some that I missed, but that thing was smoked. I, I almost dropped my phone recording it. I was like, oh. <laughs> and the pitcher for Vanguard, who had a pretty good showing against y'all, he just went down to a knee as soon as Brian hit it. It was hilarious.
1: Yeah, right when that thing was hit. I mean,
0: we knew it right off the bat. That was, that was impressive to watch. Is there a better feeling in baseball? I mean, obviously, when, when you do it, like when one of your teammates hits it and you hear that sound and you just know.
1: Oh, you know immediately. You got the guys going crazy in the dugout. It's it's an awesome feeling. Seeing your boys get, get hyped yeah. it. Right.
0: Dude, being up in the booth, I love those. The, the ones that are wall scrapers, they're tough because you're trying to you don't want to call it a home run too early. You're having to gauge if it goes off the wall. But ones like that, I get to have a little bit of fun with up, up in the booth for sure.
1: Yeah. When uh, you when you hit that ball and or when your teammate hits that ball and you just see him start jogging, that's that's a great feeling right there. You're do a
0: little pivot turn and just uh <laughs> just nod, you know, give yeah, a little courtesy jog for the pitcher, yeah. maybe. Uh hey, but a guy we we've talked a lot about and we have to talk talk about him. Look, you play under one of the best coaches in NAI baseball history and Jorge Perez. You know, what what is it? What what's it like playing under him and just what's he like as a coach?
1: He uh he's a great coach. He's one of the one of the best coaches I've ever had. Um he uh very uh cares about all of us a hundred percent, treats us like okay. family. Um He's uh wants the best for us not just as baseball players but as people he wants us to be able to you know graduate with a, a degree from this university and, and go on to be great men and uh, develop us through the game you know and I think that's what separates him from a lot of a lot of coaches is he he really cares about each and every one of the, his players you know he's always gonna give us the time of day whenever we need we need something and uh, I think that's what makes him great and uh, he also, has a great eye for talent, you know, and, and has developed a system that he, that he sticks to, you know, and uh, he never sways from that system. And and it's proven to, to win ball games.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's y'all he's uh, been, been to Lewiston with St. Thomas numerous times. I think a lot of people have y'all going back there. I certainly wouldn't be surprised if y'all have to pack up some coats and, and travel up there because it it gets very cold i didn't really think about that but i was talking to some some of the uh my boys on Weber, and they're like dude it was freezing out there i'm like what it was late may like doesn't matter it's idaho and yeah
1: I'm like, okay. they,
0: they didn't move they didn't move that thing down down to georgia where, where the softball ones held i gets warm weather no i mean yeah lewis is such a beautiful place great uh being able to host it but yeah but and for me as far as coaching goes there are plenty of guys that can go out and recruit and make good baseball teams. But for a truly elite coach, by my definition, it is being able to prepare your guys. Because Let's be honest. I mean, it, one or two guys on every baseball team in the country has a chance to make, make a living. Outside of that, probably not. But being able to develop y- young men into great fathers, great husbands, great brothers, great sons, that's something – that's the mark of an elite coach. And it sounds like coach Perez has certainly uh, done that. Let's talk a little bit about the program that he's built down there and what brought you to St. Thomas out of the transfer portal. So
1: what uh, brought me to St. Thomas was when I was at Ember Riddle, um, I redshirted my true freshman year at Ember Riddle. And then um, that's when COVID hit right after that redshirt year. So, uh, They canceled the next season, and then the school itself canceled the season after that. So it was was three seasons of me not playing, and I was was in my third, almost fourth year of college without playing one year of college baseball. And uh, when I found out that news, I was actually going to St. Thomas to uh, work out with Coach Perez because I've known Coach Perez for a while. I played uh, three or four years of high school uh, summer ball with him with his uh, baseline program. And uh, I always work out with him in the off season. And once I found out the news that they canceled the second season at Embry-Riddle, I, I went to him that day, and he said, "Hey man, you you got a spot for me? I'm trying to play somewhere." And uh, he he gave me, he just gave me a big smile, big hug. He said, "Come on, man, we got a spot for you." And and uh, so really grateful for him for giving me a a place to play when when I had nothing uh, nowhere to go. So um, yeah, it was pretty cool. That's that's what brought me to St. Thomas.
0: That, that's incredible. I lo- love hearing that story from you. Uh, Chris, I want to thank you so much for coming on. I got one more question for you. I'm gonna uh let let you go here. What what is it about St. Thomas that makes it so special to you and something you're gonna hold in your heart for, forever? Yeah, I think uh, like I said, they gave me a
1: shot. You know, they gave me a shot when when I really uh, needed a place to play. Um, they trusted me. They knew my coach Perez knew my ability and and how hard I work. And uh, knew that I can I can become a, a great player. So he really uh, he really gave me that shot. Really gave me the the chance to uh, show my talents and and um, my work ethic. Um, and really grateful for for this program because they uh, they appointed me and uh, Joey Thompson as the team captains uh, this year. So um, very grateful for that. Grateful for the opportunity uh, to lead these guys, and I'm really excited to see uh, what we can do for this year.
0: Yes, sir. Chris, really appreciate you, man. Uh, I'm so excited to keep uh, covering St. Thomas baseball the rest of this year. It's going to be such a fun year. By the way, y'all have a great media department uh, down in Miami Gardens. They do a great job, especially the guy, uh, whoever runs y'all's men's basketball and women's basketball accounts, top-notch baseball as well. Y'all do an excellent job down there. Just a media perspective, looking at something I I noticed. Let's relay that one on. Chris, again, really appreciate you coming on, man. If you have anything else, Mike's yours. If not, I'm good, brother.
1: Well, I appreciate, it, man. Thank you uh, for having me on. Thank you for uh, the invite, and I uh, enjoyed talking to you, man. Uh, appreciate everything.
0: Yes, sir. Good deal. Thank you. All right, feel sit. All right. Hope y'all enjoyed that interview with Mister Scholler. Best of luck to him and the St. Thomas Bobcats this season. All right, let's take a look back at what happened this weekend because we had we, we had a lot. I think we'll start off with what we were talking about earlier in the episode with Florida Memorial taking down Southeastern, 94-64. Tiana Ayulo, 28 points, 13 rebounds. Look, they are the best team in the conference right now, but entering this tournament, I, I would say they are the favorite to win it. They're probably going to be my pick to win it. We'll see. I want to see how everything ends at the end of this regular season, because there is a team about 15 minutes away from them that I think has got some serious potential with the Saint Thomas Bobcats, who won, won a fairly close game. They pulled away in the second half against Miami. Excuse me, against uh, not Miami, against Ave Maria. Casey Gagnon led the way for the Bobcats. She had 19 points and eight rebounds. Now, about a team that's really come along here this second half that could surprise quite a few people in the Sun Conference Tournament. They certainly have been surprising people here down the stretch, and that's the girls in Babson Park. Jada Burgess, she had a double-double as well, matching Ayula down in Miami Gardens. Jada had 26 points, 10 rebounds, and a 65-57 win over Coastal Georgia. Warner took down Thomas as well, 79-42 in women's basketball. So we're getting towards the end. We're in the final week of conference play before we get into the conference tournament and you know we look at who's playing the best basketball right now it comes down to these three teams Weber St. Thomas and Florida Memorial but just from what I've seen and the way things are going right now it's really hard to pick against Florida Memorial in this upcoming tournament now I'm gonna hold off on my official tournament pick until next week, uh, an episode next week and we'll we'll go from there but as of right now, it's going to be tough not to pick against a team that just brought home the Sun Conference regular season title in Florida Memorial. It's a tough place to play, go down there and um, uh, that also reminds me, there was some unfortunate news from this weekend, very uh, tough time to be on campus in Florida Memorial right now Um, in fact, I probably should have done this at the beginning of the episode but we'll uh, go ahead and do it now. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Florida Memorial and the uh, the Lion family is struggling right now. They just suffered a loss. Two of their students passed away in a tragic, tragic car accident. Um, you know, the, not really a whole lot to say um, uh, on it. Just w- one of those those terrible things. And I mean, quite frankly, I'm at a loss for words right now to even say it. Say anything. Um, all I could think is. Uh, just please keep uh, everybody down in Miami Gardens and the family of those who lost their lives far, far too fast and, uh, in your thoughts and prayers. We'll actually uh, take a quick break here for a little bit of moment of silence. OK, thanks, guys. Uh, yeah. And you know, just w- once again, hold your loved ones tight. You never know. You, you just never know. Uh, m- moving on, though, and getting back into this weekend of Sun Conference action, folks, we said it, we've been saying it, I've been saying it, it is the most competitive sport in this conference, it's men's basketball, and it has come down to the wire, it's going to come down to the final games, and it's uh, Southeastern, you know, they were a team that struggled a little bit early on, but they have gotten up over 500 on this winning streak, and they have Taken the top spot in the Sun Conference with a win over Florida Memorial. And I tell you, I think everybody started taking Southeastern really, really serious after that win on the road against Weber last weekend. And now they have overtaken everybody and sit atop of the conference. They can just win their games coming up. They have a big one against a red hot Kaiser Seahawks team who did not play this uh, this past weekend, I don't believe. Yeah, no, they didn't. They did take down, you know, speaking of Kaiser, Kaiser just took down a top-20-ranked team in Florida College. I believe that was on Thursday of this week. That's why they didn't play any Sun Conference matchups, but they took down a team that has given the Sun Conference fits. You know, Florida College has beaten uh, Weber and Southeastern, off the top of my mind, fairly recently, and it's really impressive for Kaiser to do that. And like, like I said, all – All you need to do is be one of the six teams in, and you got a good shot at it, especially looking at the top five of the standings, and Kaiser's right there at that five spot. I think they have a great shot of winning this. Justin Tucker has been playing very well uh, for the Seahawks, and that's not it. You know, Kaiser has really become a complete team. Uh, Corvin Lott, he scored 24 points, had nine nine assists against the 14th-ranked team in the country and the Florida Falcons. So watch out for Kaiser coming down the stretch. Also, this past this past weekend, let's actually just go right back to t- talking about South if We got to talk about Riley Menix. He had another Riley Menix performance. And he had 13 rebounds, 38 points on 17 for 25 field goals. Insane. Uh, he wasn't the only one that had an incredible performance. How about Mr. Dean down in Miami Gardens for the Saint Thomas Bobcats? He said, Mr. Minnix, you going to put up 38? I can do that too. And he did that on 9 from 15, shooting from behind the arc. They are the number two team in the Sun Conference right now and a popular pick to win the Sun Conference tournament and represent us in opening round play. Because let's be honest, in this tournament, in this tournament whoever wins it's going to be most likely the lone Sun Conference team to go on in uh, opening round play and go compete for a national title. St. Thomas, they're going to have a tough road to do it. they got to come to the BAB Thursday. I'll be on the call for that one. Weber versus St. Thomas. Speaking of Weber, Will's starting to fall off the bus a little bit. Warriors have hit a skid at the wrong time of the season. At one time, they were the Sun Conference leaders, and my my pick earlier in the year to be able to hold on and get through this tough stretch, and they have not done that at all. They lost to the Southeastern, which is – no, no loss is an excusable one, but Southeastern's a good team, and then they dropped one at home this weekend to Coastal Georgia, and you just can't do that if you're Weber. No disrespect to the Coastal Georgia Mariners basketball team, but they're 6-18 and and tied with Florida Memorial at 4-11 and at the bottom of the conference. It's not a team you can lose to at home, and it really, really hurt Weber. We're looking at what could have been a number one or number two seed, if they would have won that game they would have put themselves at least in a fighting spot to beat St. Thomas and clinch the two seed, if not have some help from teams playing the fire this week and weekend and take that number one spot but that is off of the table for the Warriors, they are most likely going to have to travel somewhere unless something really miraculous happens here down the stretch and even still, I think they let me do some quick math in my head Uh, yeah, it looks like Weber's going to be most likely – I think they're most likely eliminated from that one seed. Maybe some crazy stuff can happen, but it sure isn't looking that way. Also, uh, Thomas, I tell you, uh, we better hope that this tournament is not hosted in Thomas. Because if it, it is, that's going to be a long drive for a lot of people, and they're playing some really good basketball. Booker led them to a eight with 18 points and a double-digit win over the Warner Royals, who are just hanging on to that number six seed with the Ave Maria Jirens knocking. Look, Ave Maria has been playing some good basketball. They have made a late push to try to get into the Sun Conference tournament. St. Thomas uh, dampened that dream a little bit, blowing them out this weekend. But still, Ave Maria and Warner, they're going to be fighting for that last spot to get in, as well as Kaiser. They got to hang on. Uh, You know, I don't – it looks like everybody else is going to be pretty set. I think the main things we're going to be looking at is this top 3. Southeastern St. Thomas and Thomas who's going to pull apart. It's currently Southeastern with a half game lead. They are 11 and 4 in the sun. St. Thomas and Thomas are tied at 10 and 5. They're both dead even. Thomas does not play midweek. We'll see what they do this weekend. However, big 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 game midweek. The Fire are going to be rooting for their Polk County fellows in Babson Park as Weber's going to be taking on St. Thomas, talked about earlier. I'm going to be on the call for it. Really excited for that for this matchup. As for the women's side, you are going to have all, all the same matchups, but with Florida Memorial pretty much uh, uh, wrapping up, not pretty much they have wrapped up the conference. We know where it's going. Main thing is now we're going to take a look and see who's going to be in at the bottom of the the conference. way it's all looking now, Florida Memorial, they've clinched. St. Thomas is going to be the two seed. Southeastern likely the three seed. Then four, five, six, seven. Completely up for grabs. Ave Maria and Weber tied at seven. Uh, Excuse me, yeah, they tied at seven. Yeah, seven and seven. Warner is seven and eight. Kaiser is six and eight. So that big, big matchup earlier in the week between Weber and Kaiser proving pivotal down the stretch here. Uh, it's going to be really tough for Kaiser to try, try to overtake Warner or Weber or Ave Maria not saying it is impossible certainly certainly could could happen but the way things are looking in the matchups it's going to be tough but the big one is going to be this week in Ave Maria Florida for Warner versus Ave Maria. Now if Ave Maria wins that and it makes, Warner, 7-9 and nine in conference. Then the doors are definitely open for Kaiser to try to make a push and get into the conference tournament. However, that would mean they have to go up to Lakeland, Florida and take on the Southeastern Fire, who have been playing some pretty good basketball as well. So it was going to be a fun last week. Uh, teams fighting for seeding, teams trying to keep their season alive, and teams trying to bring a Sun Conference championship home. So, with basketball wrapping up, that can only mean one thing, baseball and softball. They are underway in the Sun Conference, and it looks like we're going to have a team that could very well potentially have the number one basketball, (laughs) basketball, number one baseball and number one softball team here in a couple weeks when these new polls come out. Why is that? Well, look over at Southeastern. We don't have to get into baseball right this second, but... We know they are the number one team in the country and in and the rankings. Their softball team number four, and folks, y'all know I do the work with NAISB covering all NAIA softball. And the Fire were the lone top four team to not get upset by a non-top twenty-five team this opening weekend uh, over in Allen, Texas. We had USAO drop two and uh, Oklahoma City top. Uh, top two teams out of the state of Oklahoma, number one and number three in the nation. They both fell, as well as uh, let's see who's number, Mobile. Mobile also dropped, I believe they dropped two, one, one or two. I got my notes all mixed up looking for my NAI softball notes. But anyways, the fire did not do that at all. They took care of business against Bryan College. In game one, the fire—they did a lot of what they do best, folks, and that is setting the base paths on fire. No pun intended. Jamie Mead had a pair of stolen bases. She walked twice, and of course, with the walk, that's uh, with the top of this lineup, her and Riley Sanders. You're giving up an extra base hit. She got a pair of stolen bases. of Erica Stahl, Chapel Cunningham as well. She had two stolen bases. Cunningham had a great first uh, first game. She went three for three with a pair of RBIs. How about Mallory Watts, her first career hit as a collegiate athlete. She hits a three-run shot, so congratulations to Miss Watts. And then we check over a Game 2. Autumn Hunter took the circle for the fire and was sensational. She went four innings of shutout ball, only gave up one hit and struck out two. Game ended shortly after that. Kenzie Forrester came in for an inning of relief and the fire run ruled Bryan College in game two of the doubleheader, nine to nothing. Plenty of firepower as well for that southeastern lineup in Game two, Chapel Cunningham, again, what a weekend for her. She had a pair of RBIs, as it did Leah Gonzalez. So, with that, we're looking at that. uh, If there were week-by-week polls, if there was one coming out, the Southeastern Fire would have the number one baseball team and the number one softball team in the country. St. Thomas got their first doubleheader sweep. They improved a 3-0 on the year, largely in part. In game one, Caitlin Spalding with a 7 Inning, five-hit, one-run performance. Excellent job from Caitlin Spalding in the circle for the Bobcats. Natalie Kopikova had two RBIs, as did Marla Lovato in game one in a 6-2 victory over Lynn College. They'd go back out there and take on, take on Lynn again in the doubleheader. This one a little bit closer, 5-3 to a Bobcats victory. Marla Lovato led the way with three RBIs for Bob, for the Bobcats. And they're down 3-0. and And they're coming into the year, they weren't exactly one of the three teams a lot of people have looked at. But early on, showing some strong, strong performances. Uh, the other two top teams, besides Southeastern, who will likely be the main ones competing for the Sun Conference this year, Coastal Georgia and Weber, they start the, their seasons this week with some big matchups. I believe Coastal Georgia's they have a doubleheader with Gwinnett. Gwinnett coming off of Annalisa Wood. She had a 16-strikeout perfect game to start her season. So we'll get to see what this Coastal Georgia lineup that brings a lot back will bring this weekend. I believe they also have a doubleheader with Campbellsville, and uh, Campbellsville is one of the best lineups in the country. So we'll get to see what the pitching for the Mariners will look like. We'll also get to see Weber take on some good competition out of the AAC in – uh, Truett McConnell, they take them on this week. I believe they have, they have some other matchups. we uh, it's Gulf Shores weekend uh, coming up. I'm not sure if that's next week or the week after. I'll take a look. So, Weber and Coastal Georgia, they'll they have a little bit later start than most of the teams. And Ave Maria, they split with Fort Lauderdale. For Warner's un- underway as well. So, Hey, softball's underway, folks. Uh, I'm going to look. Uh, I think Josh is going to come on and do a lot more with uh, Sun Conference softball, something mm-hmm. we, we've talked about uh, doing. Like I said earlier, I'm doing quite a lot with, with softball, covering it uh, across the NAIA. So that's going, one, provide a lot of good stuff for uh, scouting and be able to talk about these non-conference uh, matchups, just like I, how I did with Coastal Georgia coming up. Uh, southeastern's got some big uh, some big ones coming up as well grandview and mobile they'll be coming down and i believe they're taking on southeastern and weber so we get to see what our top teams look like against some of the other top teams in the conference speaking of being top of the top let's talk about the top baseball conference in the naia what a weekend it was uh you know overall there were some teams who probably wish they could have a couple back look at kaiser they Split a four game set with Columbia International. They won the last one in. Look, in a lot of these NAI matchups, when you get into a four game set, you're that game four, you're probably going to be scraping the bottom of the bullpen. And it uh, definitely showed Kaiser won the finale 16 to 15 against Columbia International. Guzman had four RBIs for the Seahawks. But once again, with Kaiser, uh, I think we're starting to get enough sample size to kind of realize this bullpen's got. It, it might just be what it is. Uh, it might just not be what we've seen uh, for, from them in, in previous years. And if that is the case, it's going to be a tough going once we get into conference play for the Seahawks. Uh, Warner had a really good weekend as well, including a twenty-two to one victory over Montreal. They took care of business with them and how about a team that we have not talked a whole lot about this spring and a school in general outside of men's basketball we have not said too much about the thomas nighthawks now look i know people look at thomas as one of the bottom teams in this conference and that that might that might be a fair thing to say but thomas is going to be leaving the sun conference and they're going to i believe the southern states conference next year and i won't be surprised at all if the Thomas Nighthawks are going to be able to compete. And you say, Reagan, that's crazy. Well, let me tell you a little story about what happened this weekend And the 2-2-9. They took on Middle Georgia. The Middle Georgia Knights are a very solid baseball team. They were an opening round team last year that the St. Thomas Bobcats and Weber Warriors took care of business against. In fact, I don't even think Weber got a chance to see them before they got swept out. But still, they were an opening round team, taking on a team that finished dead last in the conference last year and – Thomas absolutely wrecked them in a doubleheader on Sunday, 9-3 and 12-3. Uh, Bastion and Sowers had great weekends for the Thomas Nighthawks. And this might be something that we need to bookmark. If we look up at the end of the year and the Nighthawks are around that 4 or 5 seed with, with some other teams in the conference possibly being down this year, they could be a team we find in West Palm Beach or wherever we're going to have to assume West Palm Beach for. The conference championship. Watch out for the Nighthawks. Eighth ranked team in the country, St. Thomas Bobcats had a pretty good win down in Miami Gardens. They took three or four from Reinhardt, all very, very high scoring games, except for their one loss, three to six in game three. Game one, they won 10 to six. Kevin uh, Moreno and Alan Coretta each ha- had a a home run. I saw Allen's. He sent his in to the Instagram. By the way, y'all, listen. Send in your highlights. I'm not picky. I post them. So whole point, whole point of this deal: grow the conference and display the achievements. And Mr. Caretta had himself a three-run shot in the Miami Garden Knights in Game One for St. Thomas, that propelled them to a 10-6 win. And if you thought that one was high-scoring, get should you gotta check out Game Two. St. Thomas offense absolutely exploded in a 16-10 victory. uh, Noriega, we talked about this with with Chris. Come on, Reagan. He had four four RBIs, as did Moreno, who's very quickly made his name one of the best in the sun conference. They both had home runs. Robin Fernandez got himself one, as well as Angelo Peloto. Absolutely dominant. Look, the question for St. Thomas isn't, the lineup, it, it is the pitching. There, there is a big, big question about it. We talked about it a little bit uh, with Chris, and they did get lit up. I mean, they the Eagles, who have a solid lineup, they're a top 20 team, 20th ranked team in the country. They scored 6, 10, and 10. And, look, I get it, St. Thomas, you can go and score runs. There's no doubt about that. You have one of the best lineups. I'd probably say a top seven or eight lineup in the, the NAI. But – with the pitching in this conference, especially with the two teams we're about to talk about, it's it's tough to rely on runs like that. You're gonna to have to be able to squeak out some three nothing, three to two, four to victories, and it's gonna be to be tough for them. We saw when when their offense did get neutralized by a good pitcher from Reinhard, they're only able to put up three. They weren't able to win that game. Now, don't don't get me wrong, a four game sweep against a top twenty opponent, and that's that, that's not easy to do. And winning three or four uh that's really impressive so again sun conference we do our thing st thomas did their thing it took three or four from reinhardt and i gotta think overall st thomas has got to be pretty happy with their performance over the weekend our new friend chris Scholler had a great uh weekend he picked up with the two of five rbis clearing a home run in game four to clinch the series over reinhardt had a hit in every game his hitting streak continues he he is all, all the way up to nine to start out the year. Nine games he's got to hit in every one. So shout out our boy, our boy Chris, new friend, new friend of the program. Really enjoyed that interview with Chris. I think he might be a guy we have to become a recurring guest. Speaking of recurring guests, uh, again, y'all know I'm not big on announcing uh, anybody on before they come on, but I've been in talks with a couple of old Sun Conference legends we've had we've had on the podcast before and could potentially – have them on, so we'll hold that hold that off for a little bit later, folks. We gotta talk about this fact, not opinion, not my opinion. Well, it is my opinion, but it is and should be objective fact. The two best teams in NAIA baseball in 2023 are separated by about an hour's drive, and if you drive like me, more like about forty-minute drive. If there's any uh. State Troopers, listen to this. You didn't hear that. But Saint, Southeastern and Weber, the starts they are on 9-0 and 10-0, respect, respectively. And they aren't exactly doing it against your average Jimmy and Joes. They are playing some excellent, excellent teams. Let's start off with Southeastern, because I'm going to finish the podcast go, go, going off about this Weber team, uh, about like I usually do. So, you know, everything's <laughs> usual. Uh, the Southeastern Fire, they went and competed in the biggest – tournament in NAIA baseball in the Cajun Collision down in Shreveport, Louisiana, and they took care of business, taking down all four teams that they face, including two top 25 teams. Take a look at game one. that was a nail-biter, 6-5. Southeastern had a big second inning, headlined by a two-RBI single from Mr. Isaac Nunez, who continues to bat over five hundred and be one of the best bats in the country. But it was a catcher, a newcomer, that has really come on at a strong performance, not only behind the plate, but on the bat, and this go-around pinch hitting, and Pablo Lanzarote Lanzarote in the top of the ninth, he had a solo shot to make it 6-5, to and the fire were able to hold on in the ninth. Reese Reese Weisinger was sensational out of the bullpen. He went three innings, gave up zero hits, one walk, Four strikeouts to shut it down and get an extended. Actually, he didn't even get the save. If it was a three inning performance, he should have got the win. So, yeah, he got should have got the win, not save. Uh, either way, great performance from the Southeastern Fire. And they would go on and take on a little bit tougher competition than Baker in the Cage of Collision. They would take on 23rd ranked Loyola. Once again, they were dominant. Anytime they're going to have Mr. Rob Adams on the mound, it's going to be tough. For the opponent bats rob pitch seven amazing innings go, go, only giving up five hits three walks one earned run and striking out 12. Uh, look at lanzarote again he had a, a home run a two run shot and an epic celebration got some good video from that chase brian as well down there he went three for four with an rbi for the fire and then the one of the premier matchups down in Louisiana, down in Bayou, Southeastern, took on the 14th-ranked Southeastern Fire. And uh, Arns got, got a little beat up. Darian Smith went through four, two-thirds. He gave up four earned runs. And this is no slouch, though. They are not a top-ten team in Central Methodist, but if you had me pick one team outside of the top ten to win the Red Banner this year, CMU is going to be one of the first names that comes out of my mouth. But fire once again, no problem. Chase Bryant two for four with three RBIs. He had himself uh, a big shot as well. Uh, Chase Bryant, another newcomer, just having a a heck of a time down there. Uh, Gary Laura again. uh, We we talk. He's one of those names we have said over and over on this podcast since episode one. He's one of the most dangerous bats in this lineup. Showed it again this go around. He had three. RBI's and he did it kind of uh I don't want to say the hard way but usually the way Mr. Laura does it he just goes and uh hits home runs he did it on a walk and uh, fielder's choice and a single not usually how we see Mr. Laura scores runs but he says hey I can do long ball I can do small ball I can do whatever fire finished off strong taking down a pretty good Louisiana college team twelve to four to cap off the weekend again Chase Bryant he was the best player in Louisiana for Southeastern. He had three RBIs, got got himself another home run down there. Uh, The big bats really came about against Louisiana Christian Herrera had one. Mr. Stephen Cullen, friend of the program, good friend of mine, he got himself one. Uh, Mr. Lanzarote, look, I think Chase Bryant was the MVP of the Cajun Collision, but Pablo, he's definitely got something to say about it, and he's got a heck of an arm behind the plate. David Castillo got himself one as well was a combined performance and the bullpen, kind of at the end after four or five games in Louisiana. kind of expect that, but no you know the Southeastern Fire bullpen, one of the deepest and best in the country. They took care of business. Now, let's talk about them. Ladies and gentlemen, let's talk about the boys in the BAB. Whew, what a series. The premier series in NAIA baseball this weekend. A top-ten matchup. The Faulkner Eagles, sixth-ranked team in the country, team that sent Weber down to the loser's bracket in the opening day of play in Lewiston last year. They came down to the BAB, and they got sent back home sad. Folks, I keep saying it, but this weekend, I think people are really starting to believe it. Nah, the Weber Warriors swept them, and for 20 plus innings, because well, let's say 7, 7, 14, 21, so 23 innings, Weber was the better team for 22 and a half. There was one half inning where they tagged us up, and it was the first one. Top of the first inning, Xavier Rodriguez goes out, got a little banged up against him, Hand up, he did. He, they put up four, four with a three-run shot, and I was sitting here, I not going to lie, I missed it. I, I missed it. I don't know what happened. It's a little bit on me. I wasn't watching. Uh, I, like I said, I've been dealing with the back injury. I wasn't there Friday. I uh, did go and broadcast on Saturday, get to see the last two games that we'll get into here in a minute. But top of the f- first, I put up, put my laptop on, and see, we're going to the bottom of the first, and it's 4 nothing. I'm like, oh, gosh, what a miss? I'm like, okay, boys, we got a battle. In battle, the boys and the Babs sure did. They put up six in the bottom of the first inning. Big thanks to Angel Diaz. He had himself a big day uh, going Three for four with three RBIs, including that shot in the first inning. Weber cruised on to a victory eight to four. Blaine Huter came out of the bullpen and pitched two and two-thirds. Shut down ball for the Warriors. Got the extendo save there. Then in game two of the contest, it was Mark Link who started off for the Warriors. And at the beginning, I wasn't going to broadcast that game. But then the rain came and... Uh, just an absolute downpour, classic Florida downpour. Game gets moved to Saturday. I said I'll get my old self up in the booth and bump my gums for a few hours a day. And we, I bumped the, my gums, and the Warriors bumped the ball all over the ballpark. And uh, Weber took them down 8-4. to four. Another big performance from Angel Diaz as well in game two. And take a look at Brian Morales. This is a name y'all need to write down and Remember, folks, he had two home runs this weekend against Faulkner, and he is a piece in this lineup that is starting to emerge and make this Weber lineup one of the best in the country. It was the pitching, though, in game two uh, that was the difference maker. Weber won that one 4-2. to two. Ivan Martinez at the beginning of the restart on Saturday with 2-2 count, two outs in the top of the second, nothing to Faulkner. Ivan Martinez comes in. He has a little bit of command tr- trouble to start, but settled in very nicely. Did Ivan and gave us some really big innings. Get to the sixth inning, and it, because this was a continuation of the doubleheader and non-conference play, we only played seven. Ran into a little bit of trouble, having first and second, nobody out, with a one-run lead, three to two. Who does Colin Martin call on? Well, calls on the best closer in the NAI, brings on Dawson Young. And not sure if it was just poor scouting or just not I – mean, it just wasn't really a great situational baseball from Faulkner in, in this situation. So, to lay the table for you, it's top of the six. As I said, with it's first and second, you pretty much act like it's top of the eighth. You're down one. Nine-hole hitter come, comes into play, and he's been playing ter- terrible this weekend. It's just facts. He did not have a good weekend. And he goes to lay down a bunt. And as I was saying, with Dawson, Dawson's one of the tough toughest pitchers to get, get a bunt on. He's going to throw that nasty curveball, and his fastball has tons of rise, tons of topspin. It's not exactly the easiest fastball. In fact, it's one of the hardest fastballs to get a bunt on. And goes to lay down one, and it's a poor bunt, popped out to Angel Diaz. And here's where things really got confusing for me. Gilliam, their center fielder, comes up to the plate and he has been very good all weekend. Him and Christian Martin were the two best players for Faulkner against Weber in the Bab. And I was thinking, you know, first and second, one out, top of your lineup, okay, you know, it's not second and third, one out, but still, you're going to let your guys hit, right? Not the case. Once again, Gilliam comes out, shows Bunt a couple of times, and then Dawson throws that, that rising fastball and pops right back up to him, and he puts a squeeze on it. And then Dawson Young does what Dawson Young does, folks, he shuts them down, strikes out the batter with, the, with a 2-2 count, two on, two out, no problems for Dawson Young. Goes back out, gets three more outs, whoever takes care of business. Look, Dawson Young, we had him on uh, last episode. He's one of my good friends, but he is having an incredible season for the Warriors. And speaking of incredible seasons and incredible pitching, Game 3 displayed, the best pitcher so far in NAIA baseball, and Dylan Martin. If you don't think he's the best pitcher in NAIA baseball, let me read off these stats for you, folks. In three games against the receiving votes, Warner team, USCB, and the sixth-ranked Faulkner Eagles, Dylan Martin has pitched 18 innings. He's giving up six hits, one earned run. That's a .5 ERA for the folks keeping track back home, a .67 whip. He is 3 0 in his three stars. He has one complete game. That's not bad. That's not bad. 18 strikeouts to six walks. A little bit, you'd like to see that number a little bit different, but Dylan, a contact pitcher and with one of the best, the best, one of the best fielding teams in the NAI, why not? Why not be a contact pitcher, especially in a big ballpark like uh, Brad Kneehammer Field? Now, there were a couple, couple balls hit if that was p- played at uh, Kaiser or played at Southeastern. Could could have had a little bit more of a scare up in the booth. But still, absolutely dominant from Dylan. He is killing it. Uh, in, in my opinion, he got robbed of NAIA Pitcher of the Week last week, and I, he should be right up there this week after the performance he had against the Faulkner Eagles. Six innings, four hits, two walks, Four strikeouts, only one extra base hit. It was a double, I believe in the fourth or fifth inning. And if it wasn't in a blowout in game three, he could have gone more. We've seen Dylan throw a ton of pitches. He got up around 92, and I, and I, and I like that uh, uh, Colin is taking him out there in that situation, no need to go in and uh, run one of your best arms into the ground, keeping his pitch count at a little bit of a lower level. Looks like he's thrown 62, 86, and 92 in his three starts and that was a big thing last year. He was excellent for us early and mid into the year, but he just ran out of gas. Hopefully he can keep that gas and keep thro- throwing that curveball. I'll be a, a happy, happy guy. But, yeah, the Warrior Bats, they absolutely exploded. Um, give myself a little bit of a pat on the back here. I did kind of call it. I did, did call it. Uh, I said, look, game three, we've won the series. We're going for the sweep, but we're not just going for that. If you don't believe me, go and listen to the first couple innings. I said it, I swear. So said, we're going to throttle them. We're going to throw it on this game, folks, because we're going to absolutely impose our will. We don't want to just want to sweep them here. We want to leave no doubt in game three that we are one of the best teams in the NAIA, and it has been proven. Weber is the second best team in the country right now, period. There is not a team that has done better so far in 2023 outside of the Southeastern Fire than the Weber Warriors. The Red Banner is coming back to Polk County, folks. I'm going to end the episode with that. The Red Banner coming back to Polk County. I don't know if it's going to be in Lakeland or if it's going to be in Babson Park, but it's coming back. It's coming home, coming back home. If either team win it, I'll be ecstatic, but uh, I ain't going to lie. Sometimes I think about the last out in Lewiston and the Weber Warriors are crowned champions. Whew. Whew. That next episode's good that next episode's gonna be fun, folks. But hey, we got a long way until then. I got a lot of sports to cover up until then. Uh getting some more more help, looking to expand also. I'm actually on the episode with this. I'm looking to expand Suncast. I am looking for people interested in doing what I do. Not as not not everything. I'll uh I'm gonna be at the head of this thing for at the minimum, the next year and a half. And that's at the bare minimum. I graduate spring 2024, and until I graduate Suncast is here and it ain't going anywhere, knock on wood. But I am looking for people that have interest in what I do. And specifically, I'm looking for people maybe up around Brunswick or Savannah to cover some Georgia teams better than I can. Or down south, say in West Palm Beach or Miami Gardens. I am looking for someone to join this family and keep this conference going, growing. So, if you're interested, DMs are always open, folks. That'll do it for me. I'll catch y'all at the end of the week. Most likely going will have an episode Friday as well. As always, y'all have a wonderful week. Love y'all. Signing off.